Welcome to the Life Purpose Podcast, the podcast that supports you in finding and embodying your purpose. My name is Paulisari, and I am your host. In this episode, I talk to Sarah Beek. We take a really deep dive into the world of soul, which is Sarah's expertise. Sarah is a mystic, a poet, and a Harvard-trained scholar of comparative world religions. She has written three books, Red Hot and Holy, A Heretic's Love Story, Revelations, A Soul's Journey to Becoming Human, and The Red Book, A Deliciously Unorthodox Approach to Igniting Your Divine Spark. Sarah has been called a soul whisperer because she is able to intuitively sense souls and instinctually know how to reconnect a human with their soul. Our conversation was centered around the question of how to live in alignment with our soul, but we also touched on things such as the relationship between soul and sexuality, and soul and non-duality, and of course, soul and purpose. So, here is my conversation with Sarah Beek. I hope you'll enjoy it. Okay, so welcome to the Life Purpose Podcast, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, I would like to start with a really basic question um, concerning what soul is. Because it's, yeah, we have unfortunately come so far from really being connected to our souls in this culture that we sometimes we don't even know what it is and if it even exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, what is what is soul for you? For me, soul is our truest identity. It's our most organic nature. It's what is the most alive and wild and sovereign and wise and authentic within us. And for me, it's multidimensional. Mm. So there, there's many different aspects of the soul. Um, and it tends to hold, in my experience, both our deepest wounds and our deepest wisdom and like our darkest dark <laughs> and our lightest light. Mm. And its favorite thing to do is really collapse all the boundaries between being human and being divine. It demands that we be both and in and as a body. Hmm. Wow, that was beautiful. And um, quite a lot in there that I would be interested in unpacking further. So you said something, it contains both the darkest dark and the lightest light. That that probably goes against many people's notion of soul. Like, yeah, the lightest light, certainly, but the darkest dark. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. Um the dimension of our soul that is more present like in and as the human body is what I often refer to as our human soul. And for me, that's the part of us that's incarnated or tried to incarnate several times over and over and over more than several times um, in human form. And along those 
incarnations, it's incurred some incredible wounding. It's gone through some incredibly difficult times being a human. Mm. Um, And so that is collected and helps cultivate and actually create more of the soul here. But it also always is connected to what I know of a deeper dimension, which I refer to as the divine soul. And the divine soul Mm. is also the part of us that is just our ultimate spiritual authority. It's connected to all that is, but it's also really unique. And it is kind of the wisest, most loving part of us. So the soul is able to incorporate all of those aspects. And there's other dimensions in between there as well, where what is really dark just about being human and even more than being human. Um, In my experience, the soul really likes experience. It's not so much about being (laughs) one thing or the other, but all things. Mm. And so that Mm. would necessarily include dark as well as light. And this is what makes it a bit different than what people might call spirit. Yeah. Hmm. So when you say, so the dark part refers mostly to our wounding, is that correct? Um, I think the wounding can create experiences of darkness. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also our shadow, you know, the parts of us that we disown um, Mm. over multiple incarnations can build up into its own particular thing. But I also feel it's just sort of (laughs) the dark, the darkness of being human and the dark side of this universe. Um, That's all a part of this. So it's, it's, it includes wounding, but I would say it's more than that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know this now as, as, as you're speaking about the darkness and the light and yeah, how kind of everything is included, how it, it just, my experience in the moment feels a bit more whole in a sense. <laughs> yeah. That's my experience as well, is that the soul is thirsty for wholeness, for everything. So anything that we exclude from ourself, it wants to bring back into ourself. And this is very true within the spiritual realm, which is often more focused on sort of the light or the transcendence Mm. or the oneness or the peace, perfection. And... The soul is okay with that as long as the other things are included, like the embodied, messy, imperfection, darkness, uniqueness is also there as well. So it's constantly striving through our external life and our internal life for wholeness, not as some goal, not as a spiritual goal, not as another sort of enlightened striving but just as a natural way of being alive. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, speaking of things that often tend to be excluded in in many spiritual contexts, um, I wanted to ask you about soul and sexuality and sexual energy, how you see that connection. Mm-hmm. That's, a, in my experience, a very intimate and profound and potent connection. And sexuality has been so twisted and misunderstood on this planet. And so mm. therefore... Um, like I said before, with the soul striving to bring things into wholeness, it's going to want to do that with sexuality. Um, and in particular with sexuality, there is such a ex- chance to experience dimensions of our body and another's body and the body of this universe when we are in relation shed with each other in that way. And that's something I've noticed that the soul is very hmm, encouraging of. <laughs> hmm. And But like anything, if it's something that is not healthy, not healthy by a social standard or healthy by some, you know, neo-tantra standard, but healthy, <laughs> healthy for your unique expression as an embodied being, um, your soul is going to seek that out um, and want you to explore that and want you to experience what needs to be experienced. So you can have um, you can have a good relationship with it, both within yourself and out in the world. Hmm. Yeah. So what comes to me now is um, I'm just wondering about why soul seems to be, or obviously is such a powerful force with, yeah. How How is it even possible that it's so pushed down and, and you know, that it doesn't really get to take up as much space in our lives as it well, it's kind of pushed aside as it is now <laughs> yeah. in individuals and in culture. And um, how how does that happen? How, how is it possible? <laughs> and what are the greatest forces working against soul, so to speak? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I can go to many different levels with that. But um, let's mm. start with just... Uh, a more common or um, familiar level, which is just that we are raised in cultures and societies that don't encourage us to be natural and alive and organic and real and true to ourselves. We're born into systems and paradigms that collectively create a reality for us that is often at odds with an organic reality of our soul. And so everything around us, you know, from the media to our schooling, um, our families, you know, society in general, politics, like I just, it's, it's created um, just, I would say just in a different reality than the soul. And it doesn't mean that the soul can't 
push itself through those realities because it does. And it does through things like synchronicities and our dreams and our bodily feelings and signs and symbols. And it's constantly whispering to us who we are mm-hmm. and what our path is and where are things that we need to take a closer look at. It's it's constantly trying to show us who we are despite these thick paradigms that often cover up who we are and besides those I think one of the major forces which is sort of paradoxical that has been not as supportive to soul is religion and spirituality and even like the new age and even you know a bunch of systems that are within what I would call the spiritual and cosmic arena where they often encourage us either overtly or covertly to eventually and essentially lose ourselves Mm. and that there is something bigger than us, more important than us. Um, There is something more powerful than us that we need to give our power to. Even just the idea of like unified consciousness or unity or oneness. Um, There's system after system and paradigm after paradigm really layered upon one another Mm. that thwarts the actual distinct divine identity of our soul mm-hmm. and if and you know on a on one level you you kind of get it because once you start coming into true relationship with your soul the full multi-dimensional spectrum of your soul not just your human soul your human soul is something that is more classically known um, through ex- just incredible people like Marion Woodman and Bill Plotkin and Thomas Moore. But mm. what I'm talking about is beyond the human soul. And mm. this is aspects that I refer to as the divine soul and other aspects that are not taught to us in religions or the spirituality arena. Um, these words soul, this word soul is thrown around a ton, mm-hmm. but it's wonderful you started with, you know, what does this mean for you? Because it does mean something different for mm. all of us. And for me, my journey into soul has blown the lid off of all of my previous concepts of what the divine is, who I am, what reality is, <laughs> mm. all the religious traditions that I spent time and energy studying, all the spiritual teachers, all the programs um, came into question mm. once I started to really come to know and embody my own soul. And that means that we stop needing them in the same degree that they're used to be, <laughs> they're used to. So mm. we're not giving our power away as much. We're not giving our energy away as much. We're not going to teachers as much or workshops or much or reading the latest books as much because we realize truly, not just as a cliched New Age saying, but we've got the ultimate teacher within us. And it's not just some big, grand, overarching consciousness. It is distinct and unique Mm. and personal Mm. to each of us and deeply invested 
in us knowing who we are. And that's very threatening mm. to the powers that be, both powers that we consider to be benevolent and powers that we consider to be malevolent. And, and then, of course, just the culture, political, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, of course, if we all suddenly would rely on our deepest self, our soul as the greatest authority, then all powers, regardless of what powers they would be, would be threatened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's with soul, what I keep learning um, is that the more I stay true to my soul, the more in mm. alignment with life I become, like life with a capital L, the more I'm able to contribute to life. It, it's not this like myopic it's only about me it's only about my inner authority that's that would be a, a manipulation that would be a, a different construct that would not be mm. soul organic soul yeah. as i know it when we're in contact with our soul and we are living from that place we become more human we become more a mm. part of this world we're able to support things that are organic and true and loving in a much more uh effective way. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious to dive a little bit further into the the difference between your the way you see soul and how some other people see soul. Like you said that it's something bigger than the usual definition of a unique soul. So in what way is it bigger? Like Sure. Um And I would, you know, say that's for me, you know, in my experience. When I first came into contact more directly with just this idea of soul as being something different than spirit and important. So it was through people like Marion Woodman and Bill Plotkin and Thomas Moore, who are the ones who have really devoted their lives to soul, hmm. which is different than just spirit. Like it's, it's a very, it's a different um, experience and people who are listening, who are familiar with them, you know, would know, will know this and not, or they can go and explore some of these, um, these great thinkers and these great feelers that work themselves. And so that was my first sort of entrance way to try to start explaining what I personally was experiencing. And then it got to a point where I had to let go of um, those incredible teachers and thinkers and feelers and really everything I had learned. And have my soul guide me and show me who it was. And that led to just some really incredible journeys and experiences that went a lot deeper <laughs> and wider than mm. the classic definitions of soul that I was accustomed to. Mm. And you know, to, uh, to the furthest extent, you know, when I say soul is our distinct divine being, I'm also saying it is equal to, but different than 
this universe or the divine being of this universe. It, 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 is, a, it is less an, a notion of like we were created from something like source or consciousness or God and more that we collaborated with those things. Um, for me, when I started to really encounter the deepest aspects of my soul, I began to really understand, like, I've never been created. I'm infinite. I'm eternal. And I'm distinct. It's not mm. that I am... My truest nature is consciousness. It's not. For mm. me, my truest nature isn't God. It's not for me. My truest nature isn't, you know, it's, it's a very distinct being. Being doesn't quite capture it, but it's a distinct identity. Um, and therefore, it's on the same terrain as all these big words that I've been using or these big relationships that people have normally put on top of soul. Hmm. And that, being a religion scholar, was mm. a major mindfuck. Like, that was, <laughs> talk about just, like, I could not, I had not been taught that anywhere. And it felt like I was mm. going against everything um, <laughs> that mm. I considered yeah. dear to me spiritually. But... What also began to happen is over the years is that once I came into right relationship with my distinct sovereign soul, I began to feel way more intimately the relationship that it has with this universe. And it was like a supported sovereignty. It was like the true aspects of this universe also wanted me to know myself and wanted me to know my distinction so it could grow and evolve. Um, and mm. so I began to really understand that this was so much more than just a personal, you know, human experience, um, that this mm. was a multidimensional craving and longing that this universe which is different than my soul, but connected to it, was also craving for me, that it wanted each of us to remember who we are and to value and treasure and express our divine distinction so it could evolve as well. Mm. And more often, mm. we just kind of go right to the universe and we just bypass our distinction. So it's, it's mm. classical definitions of the soul, but what ended up happening is they got bigger and bigger and bigger and more multidimensional and more multidimensional and more multidimensional. Mm. Mm. Well, so how then do we step into our soul more fully? What does that look like in practical terms? Sure. Well, there's two different parts of that question. So I guess the first one, you know, is if we are desiring to know our soul more, and that's key. That desire and mm. longing for our own being 
But most of us have sort of misplaced that desire and longing for the universe or for a deity or for God. And so it's kind of redirecting that a little bit, not separating it completely, but really redirecting it that there is an essential part of us that most of us have been longing for since the beginning of time. And I'd say the longing for our soul to me is the longing that's underneath all the other longings. It's our mm. first longing. And so everything else that we've been desiring or wanting or craving, you know, from things like enlightenment to God to things like a partner or success or health, this is the root in my experience. And so mm. if we can tap into that in our heart, and it's a very tender often bruised part of every human heart, very ancient. And when we can tap into the feeling of that and allow that feeling to grow and to expand in our heart, and then from that feeling, invite our soul in. And when we do that, we give our soul permission to become way more active both in our consciousness, in our daily life, in our dreams, most of all in our body. But soul won't pass up that chance. <laughs> so when the mm. invitation is true and it's coming from that real part in us, and it's not just another, you know, spiritual exercise or another thing mm. to do. Um, we start to become full of ourselves in the best possible way. And our life starts to reflect that. And it's going to look different, you know, for each of us. Some of the qualities that I, I can say after um, sharing this work and teaching retreats and things like that for all these years is that I notice that the people who really go into their soul and really allow their soul to come into them become so much more human and real mm. and funny and grounded and just like, it's like the spiritual, there's like a spiritual shedding of mm. all these structures that aren't really authentic and organic to them. Even some mm. of the best ones, you know, that have helped prop us up before, we just don't need them as much. And same thing with the cultural paradigms and the social norms. There's just sort of this shedding and it's natural. It kind of happens in our own time and in our own way. But I noticed that. I just noticed people becoming more real. And you get to have this delightful, crazy, funny, hilarious experience of people being like fully human, like messy, mm. like snotty, like just all over and full access to these utterly far out divine parts of them. And so it's like this wrestling dance between those two working itself inside and around the body. And it is both the realest thing that I think or I know I've ever experienced and mm. the most beautiful and the thing I'm the most grateful to even get the chance to witness right now. Mm. Yeah. And I notice people with their soul, they start to develop and remember their own natural flavor 
and taste. Mm. And that's what they want and they crave. They, they, they stop sort of wanting other people's flavors or they stop like, mm. and it's not because something is right or wrong. It's just like their natural taste buds start returning. The way they speak naturally without all these things that have affected them over the years begins to return. How they see the world, it's like they're starting to see it through their soul's eyes and hear it through their soul's ears and know it through how they touch things, how their soul touches life. And so they become way more alive, but way more themselves at the same mm. time. And they're less influenced or interested. And what's, what I have noticed as a trend is most people become less interested and influenced by spirituality. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, and so over the years, I've been like, huh, there's a real difference between being soulful and being spiritual. And it's not that there's not some beautiful, you know, intermingling between the two, but it's just a quality of being you begin to just sense and pick up more when people are speaking and living from their soul versus mm. when they're speaking and living from all these other ideas and belief systems and programs, even the best ones we've got out there, there's still a removal from their distinct identity. And what I notice is that when you start coming more in contact with your own soul and embodying it, you crave that in other people. So when you go to hear someone speak and they're speaking from a part that isn't quite them, you're either bored or you're disappointed or you can appreciate it, but it's not going to it's not going to um, touch that soul in you. And it's not going to sort of fill that thirst in you um, for someone else's soul expression. You're yeah. just going to get different versions, you know, mm. of someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's quite astounding to imagine the amount of uniqueness in humanity that, that would be become unveiled if everybody fully stepped into their souls. Yeah. And the amount of gifts, the amount of contribution that yeah. would be available, like how things would start to change on a planetary level from mm -hmm. very practical things, you know, very practical, grounded, food-based racism. I mean, all of that would start to shift, but it is, mm. and that's something, you know, Carl Jung and Marion Woodman, definitely felt is that soul loss is an epidemic on this planet mm. um, and that it was one of the main root reasons behind these things that we see like mm. war and disease and poverty and addiction and injustice. And so when I remember Marion, I think she wrote this or said this in an interview, you know, when people would come to her and just say like, why take all this time and energy to get to know my soul when I can barely put food on the table or, or I'm sick or I'm caring for someone who's sick or the world is falling apart. And she would say like, because that is one of the root reasons all those things are happening. Mm -hmm. And more than that, when we start connecting with our soul or reconnecting with it, it helps us with all those other things. It helps us know how to handle situations at work or our finances or, you know, poverty. It, it, it 
it lends this much wider and deeper source to us that, in my opinion, we were always meant to have. We were Mm. always meant to be linked to our soul. When we're not, we're not fully human. We can't operate in the way that we were meant to. So we're disconnected from ourselves and from each other and from life itself. Hi, sorry for interrupting. I would just like to take a brief moment to share a bit about what I do as a purpose guide. So are you in a place in your life where you would really like to get engaged in something? Maybe there are many alternatives that are pulling you in different directions, but it's really hard to choose one. They all seem relevant and interesting. What you would like is to be able to fully commit to something so that you can be 100% engaged in what you're doing, in a way where you feel that your unique gifts and talents are made good use of, and where you feel that you're making a contribution towards a better world. So my solution to this dilemma would be to help you find your purpose. Because when you have that clarity about why you're here, why you're alive in this time and place, it's so much easier to choose. And when it's easier to choose, it's easier to get engaged in what you're doing without constant doubts about whether what you're doing is the right thing. So how do we do that? How do I help you get clear about your purpose? It's a process that is very much about connecting you to your soul, because your soul, the deepest part of yourself, is the part that knows your purpose. So the whole program, the Purpose Discovery Program, is very much centered around helping you get closer to your soul and to get information from your soul about your purpose and the different aspects of your purpose. We divide purpose into eight different facets, vision, powers, values, essence, giveaway, task, message and delivery system. And through different kinds of practices, you will gradually more and more clarify each of these throughout the process. Towards the end of the process, you're likely to have a very good soul-level understanding about why you're here. If this sounds interesting for you, you can book a free introductory session. It doesn't cost you anything, just a little bit of your time. We'll have a chat and we'll see if the program is the right fit for you and if you and I are a good fit to work on this together. So if you feel called, I really want to encourage you to go to my website and find the contact page and book a free session. Okay, let's get back to the interview. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so I would like to have a little look at purpose now also we kind of touched on that here because when we're speaking of the of uniqueness and the soul's gifts and so forth but like how do you how do you view purpose and the relation between soul and purpose it's a great question um My my experience with the soul is that its purpose here can often be communicated very simply 
And the、hmm. purpose sometimes is different than what some of us might call like our mission or、mm-hmm. our role or what we're here to do.、Um, and soul purpose to me. Is usually based upon the soul's transincarnational journey. So,、mm-hmm. what it wants to experience in this particular lifetime, usually because of what it has experienced in previous incarnations. And so, it, it can be something very seemingly simple, you know, like I want to experience and incarnate true love,、um, mm-hmm. joy. Uh, peace.、Um, I want to experience. And it's funny because the experience is often, I found with the soul, the purpose.、Um, it wants to have an experience. Like its purpose for being here is obviously multifold, and there's many different facets of it. But the purpose tends to be quite simple. And What I found is important is if we can locate and our soul's purpose and our body through a feeling and through a quality of being, it gives us、mm. a navigation point to be able to look out at the world. And when we come across different opportunities or different people,、um, different events, we can use that feeling to gauge, like, Does this feel like it's really part of my soul's purpose or is it something、mm. different? So, when we get the feeling of it, it helps us navigate all the, other, <laughs> all the other parts that we are also supposed to be participating in.、Mm. But I, I also、mm. uh, I do know that you know, these words mean something different for each of us. So, I mean,、yeah. you might. No purpose in a, in a different way. And if you share with me what purpose means to you, I can, I can see how that、uh, I might have、mm-hmm. a different answer for you. <laughs> yeah, sure.、Mm. No, I just I found that very interesting to view purpose as more like having an experience rather than, in a sense, Creating something or creating some change in the world. Or, but、um, the way I see it, it's、um, yeah, that we have come here for a reason. And、um, the reason tends to have something to do with、um, not just something personal, such as having a specific experience, but more with.、Um, Um, something that that is positive for the the whole, <laughs>、mm-hmm. for all of life, and something that somehow creates more beauty, truth, and goodness in this world. And of course, having an experience can do that in a sense, but it tends to be more a little bit more directly、um, in yeah, influencing things in a better direction. Of course. Also, influencing first and foremost ourselves. <laughs> Our purpose is always、mm, firstly aimed at giving us what our purpose is to give to the world,、mm-hmm. um, also. So that's a little bit about how I see it. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think I resonate with that very deeply. And I feel.、Um, 
again, because, you know, words are just words. And hmm. for me, so I know, again, they mean things differently for other people. So in my own experience, I would call some of that more mission. Like, what is my mm-hmm. soul's mission here? Like, what does it want to contribute um, and create that is not just for me, but really helps the whole, helps the humanity and the planet either directly or indirectly. And I also then distinguish things like my soul's gifts, um, which sometimes directly <laughs> relate to the mission and the purpose. And sometimes they're, they're, they're also different um, than those as well. So over the years, I've, I've sort of wrestled with some of these distinctions, you know, personally. Mm. Um, and I know, you know, part of my story is that before I reconnected and started embodying my soul, I was very, uh, spirit focused and just a spiritual bypasser and really, just did everything from a place that felt like it was coming from the divine and for the divine. And all I wanted was to serve humanity. And all I wanted was to, you know, do what the divine wanted me to do. Um, And I thought it was through what was showing up as a result, you know? So like I wrote a book out of the passion and there was a big response and things started moving in a direction that felt more like what our society recognizes as success, you know, Mm. like bigger offers, you know, publishing offers and commercial offers and film offers and, you know, media attention. Mm. And yet, and on one hand it felt, and especially on, under kind of like a spiritual guise, like, oh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not, you know, delivering a bad message out here. I'm trying to help people reconnect with the divine and the divine feminine. And it just felt and had all the outer uh, characteristics of being spiritual and being successful and that I was on mission. Mm. But, you know, when I met Marion Woodman, and I interviewed her, it's when I realized because she ha- she was the first person I'd ever come into contact with that had embodied their soul. And this was mm. after, you know, years and years of studying and traveling with so many incredible people. And the difference between us really hit me like a sledgehammer mm. that despite how spiritual and how kind of on mission it looked like and like I had found my purpose, my soul was actually, I was actually disconnected from my soul and being disconnected from my soul meant that I wasn't living on purpose and that there was something else that my soul was pulling me toward. Hmm. And over the years, my souls pulled me toward things that are much smaller and much less Hmm. stereotypically like successful looking. And... Hmm. I had to, along the way, really let go of all these sort of spiritual interpretations of being on mission and what I was supposed to contribute. And even to the point of where I am right now, I, I know everything that I've offered, the three books that I've written have come from my soul and they're from my soul. They're, they're like a gift from my soul to other souls. Mm. But I'm not quite sure if that's my mission or my purpose. 
and supporting the reconnection of every human with their distinct divine soul, the aspect of our soul that's most often unknown to us because most of us just are more familiar with the human soul. I know that's my gig and I know that's my gift. Like I know that's, mm. that's just the most natural thing about me is knowing how to support that reconnection with the human personality and ego to their distinct divine soul. But I still don't know if that's my purpose. I'm just gifted mm. at it, you know? And so I still am paying attention and questioning and learning as my soul is <laughs> guiding me, you know, day by day about what, what this whole thing is about for me. Mm. But what I like about it is that it's, it's a living relationship I have with my soul. It's very mm. dynamic. It's not like a delivery. You know, she, she hasn't like delivered my purpose to me. Um, she is helping me become more human, more alive, more loving toward myself and others. She's helping me be more me. She's helping me be more participatory in my community. She's helping me be more of service. But it's, it's just this ongoing thing of what my purpose is, you know? And if you asked me, you know, years ago, I would say my purpose is to be with her. My entire mm. purpose is to be with my soul. Everything mm. else is like a trick, like a setup, like, <laughs> like these carrots are in front of us. Like we think the book is the purpose or the career is the purpose and I'm like, God, no, it's for me to really be with my soul. Like, do I dare to be with her here? Because it's revolutionary to do so, mm. you know? And because I've been so disconnected from her from so many lifetimes, do I dare to be fully connected to her? And I don't know what the hell that means or what it's going to look like moment to moment, but I would say that was really my purpose back then. Today, I'm like, because the connection mm. feels so natural, I'm like, <laughs> you know, she feeds me different purposes. Like she feeds me different meals. Where recently, mm. despite the madness going on this planet and the deep, deep, deep heartbreak and social justice work that I've been doing around racism, she's like, joy, joy right now is your purpose. And my human brain can't quite get it because I'm thinking about all these horrific things going on and the horrific pain of so many of my brothers and sisters who have been suffering. And it's not in any way to close my heart to it, but it's to open my heart wide enough to also include joy in that. So it's just an example of how I feel like my purpose keeps being fed to me by her if I pay mm. attention Mm, yeah. Yeah, purpose is definitely a multifaceted concept. We in, in uh, I divide purpose into eight parts. Well, the Purpose Guides Institute model uh, is is an eight-faceted purpose and. Um, with vision, values, powers, essence, giveaway, mm. mission, message, and delivery system. And neither one of these, um, well, they're all different aspects of our purpose, but what our purpose 
is um, beyond those, like if you would try to express it beyond, outside of these different reflections of it, I, I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, yeah. But it's very helpful to have these different facets because they can guide our actions a, a whole lot. Very much so, yeah. yeah. Mm. But really the most important thing is to be connected to one's soul and to always follow that guidance because the soul will never, never do anything that is not on purpose. <laughs> no, even the really hard things that our soul has guided us to do, we can turn around and be like, what? <laughs> like that was so hard or so painful or so fucked up, you know, and the soul's just like, yeah, but what we gain from it or learn from it or got to express our experience within it um, is often the point, you know, from a soul's perspective. So mm. I've, I've, I've come to experience that, you know, following my soul does not mean, you know, things are going to be great or on a sort of external level or they're going to work out. Or if my soul told me to, you know, go to this event and I went because she told me and then the event was a, just not good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, why the hell did you tell me to go to this event? Or am I misinterpreting you? Did some other part of me get in the way and I wasn't really listening to you, but some other part, an internal or external influence. And if I really sit down and give back the authority to my divine soul and look at it through, you know, its perspective I see that there was something that became unearthed in me through the ground shaking in the way that it could only shake if I went to that event. Mm. It was less about, but we have this sort of spiritual mindset sometimes or a self-help mindset that's like um, following our soul will mean success <laughs> or it will mean these positive outcomes, you know, seemingly to our brain, mm. you know, or it will mean you know, if our soul tells us to go do this thing, that people are going to love it. <laughs> you know, like mm. We're finally going to get received the way, you know, our wounds have wanted us to get received. And that's just not always the case I've found. Um, again, the soul's mm. about experience. The soul's about helping us unearth these things that have often been buried inside of us that can only come up when the friction is right and certain experiences and people and energies have to be in place to kind of unearth them. Mm. And so the soul, in my experience, doesn't prevent us from embarrassing and painful, um, <laughs> hard things at all. <laughs> you know, it mm. just helps us deal with those um, much better and it helps us hmm. sift through those so we can find the gold you know buried within them mm. yeah yeah there's something that I really appreciate about just seeing that our soul can often guide us to things that really don't seem like they were good in any way <laughs> um <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, 
how about discovering one's purpose or clarifying one's purpose? What what would you say to a person who who wants to clarify their purpose, why they are here, and yeah. what what can they do? Yeah. Um. Well, I think listen to you and your wonderful guidance and what you're offering through these podcasts and your website and your teaching and sharing. I think that would be very helpful for people. And I think when it comes to, when I look at it through soul lens, I'm thinking and feeling more about what makes them, you know, really come alive. And that's, you know, that part of that quote from the great theologian Howard Thurman, who says, you know, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you truly come alive, because that's actually what the world needs. And it's a Hmm. feeling more than a thinking, I've found, um, because we have so many different internal and external forces that like to push us in many different directions, um, regarding our purpose. And sometimes we don't know how to recognize it because we think it has to be externally validated in a certain way, perhaps by followers, <laughs> perhaps by numbers, you know, perhaps by uh, reach, you know, or publishing contracts or things like that. Um, and that to me from the soul, the soul just doesn't give a shit about numbers, followers, <laughs> things like that it's Mm, more like are you are you being yourself are you giving what feels so true for you to give right now does it really ground you at the same time as light you up you know does it open your heart does it open your mind does it make you feel your body like vibrating here? Is it, Mm. does it make you more connected to other people and to life? Um, And so it's, it's that paradox that we've, you know, kind of shared throughout this conversation where it's both very unique and individual and personal. Mm. And yet when we go with soul, not what different parts of us might want to think of as our soul, but our true soul, it is going to directly impact others and this world in ways that we can't always imagine or even even understand um, with our rational mind. And so it's always for me been about feeling. Does this feel like soul to me? And once you start really becoming familiar with soul within yourself and within others, you feel it outside, right? To the people you might be interested in learning from or the books you might be interested in picking up on to your contributions to the world, you'll just have this feeling of like, oh, this is my soul's purpose. This is why I'm here right now. And it might change in the future, but for now, it's the feeling that Mm. I would say follow. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a certain aliveness that is a pretty good guide mm-hmm. for where your soul wants to go. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And sometimes it can look really not very impressive to our ego or to other people. Mm. And I think that's that's a 
a hard pill to swallow for many of us, again, who've sort of been groomed consciously or unconsciously in the spiritual capitalistic marketplace. Because there is this sort of subtle or direct thing that if you do this, you will be recognized and the money will flow and you'll be out there and and sometimes that is a part of our soul's purpose. It is to have mm. that experience of actually being really well known and making that kind of money and et cetera, because there's something within that that we are needing to learn and experience in this lifetime. But that's not true for all of us. Sometimes our mm. sole purpose is just to be an f- incredible friend. Yeah. Or just be like remarkable with our garden. Just to to anchor something that is so organic and truly loving here through plants, through friendship, through food, through painting that nobody sees, through poetry Mm. that maybe nobody hears. But for the soul, it's just through the soul's reality, the whole universe is hearing it. The whole universe is seeing it. All of life is benefiting from you doing what feels true and what feels like soul to you. It is anchoring things that all these other kind of alluring, illusionary, distracting things we think are mm. going to help us feel more alive or going to help us feel worthy or help us feel like we're being of service. But sometimes it's in these really mundane things where we actually come into full alignment with life. Mm. Yeah. I'd like to actually circle back to something that we talked about earlier um, concerning these um, more spirit-oriented practices and traditions. Um, Yeah, you said something about that their goal is kind of to lose ourselves, in a sense, um, Mm -hmm. and just see through the ego and... um, yeah, more focus on the unity aspect of reality. And I'm curious about if you see that that also has its place in some way, because there are many people who, um, yeah, I think that both both are actually equally important, the upper world spirituality that has more to do with unity and then the the lower world spirituality that has more to do with connecting to soul and and uniqueness Um, so how do you see that yeah that's that's a great question and um it's something that it's a little hard to describe um, because it goes along with my experience of recognizing these deeper dimensions of my soul. Mm. So when I, when I started recognizing these deeper dimensions of my soul and these deeper dimensions of life, I started also remembering and feeling and experiencing um, some distinctions. And you know, all these distinctions are kind of gross generalizations and I use words for them, which always fail because they mean something Mm. different for other people. And it's not so much to make one right or one wrong, but they were ways that I was able to sort of map out my experience and start to discern certain things. So what became more important to me over the years um, was less like the distinction between spirit and soul 
and more the distinction between organic and something that's not organic. Hmm. Um, we could call it synthetic, but I think synthetic has a, a kind of more of a negative connotation. So it's, hmm. and what I began to realize is my soul was showing me and reminding me through my body what was organic and that the soul comes from and is made of that organic reality and life. Hmm. And I began to sort of map out in different dimensions where there were other things that did not feel as organic to me. Hmm. Um, they, they felt like they actually disconnected me from some organic ways of being in my own soul. And some of those were uh, parts of this universe and dimensions that we could call like enlightenment. Um, mm -hmm. we could see, um, oneness, like through my soul's lens, my divine soul's lens feels very different. Oneness means distinct, but interdependent and connected from a mm. big divine lens, not just a human lens. Oneness that does not feel organic to me is when we lose all distinction and identity mm. Um, mm. and so there's many things along those lines. Like we could go through many different aspects of, you know, spiritual traditions and belief systems. And for me, it was sort of sifting out personally what felt organic and alive and true and what mm. didn't. And so therefore, like when I connect with my divine soul, perhaps through that other lens, they would see that as upper worldly. Mm. But the difference is she is both her own universe, like she is this distinct divine universe, and she is deeply invested in my personal experience and expression of being human, where a lot of the spirit practices that I would say might use these same words, but I would, I felt like were more inorganic to me. Um, they, they, they don't hold that both. They're either just about, you know, kind of dismantling the ego and going into oneness or dissolving into source or becoming nothing or merging with everything. Um, but there wasn't, they weren't able to hold both, but my soul is able to. Hmm. So I know this is kind of wordy and it's hard to describe because we're talking about um, real, we're talking about different dimensions and we're also talking mm. about different qualities of feeling and being that I think each of us have to discover for ourselves. But I know for me, I was so um, enculturated with spirituality that I never thought to question mm. these more spirit-based traditions and concepts. Mm. Um, I never thought to, yeah. I knew my body did not feel good around a lot of them. I knew mm -hmm. something in me was just like, this is not it or right. But I would just assume that's just my ego. That's my, you know, that's another part of me. That's my Westernization. That's, you know, all the things that we're told that that's what it is, why we can't grasp that or why something feels off to us about losing everything. 
why it, we are told that's just part of our conditioning and our ego. We're never uh, actually turned to to be like, I wonder if you're onto something. I wonder if your soul might have a piece for us that we need to receive. And that's what I would say is true for all of us is that when we just hop on these spiritual bandwagons, no matter how traditional and how ancient and how well-respected they are, without including and involving our soul, we can get kind of lost in these different paradigms for lifetimes. Yeah. We can go and be enlightened for millions of years if we want. But mm. eventually, in my experience, that ancient something in us will question if there's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great guideline, actually, if one is involved in more, <clears throat> well, say, non-dual spirituality, to check with oneself if this... <laughs> Well, if this oneness that one is experiencing is connected or not connected. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, I, it, yeah, sometimes it will feel like it, you'll feel that, and sometimes it might not. And discerning these differences, in my experience, is an absolutely imperative part of the soul path. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And is the, can the soul... Is there still space for soul? Can soul, soul still be fully present even while I'm practicing these things? Because if it can't, then it's probably... Hmm. Well, it's maybe not the best path for you. And, you know, it's something that I think um, in my second book, Red Hot and Holy, I, I was discerning it also. I was using spirit and soul to use discernment and also masculine and feminine a lot to help me discern these different things. Um, now, like I said, it's more like organic and not organic. But at that time, mm. it was really important also because I am in a female body and I really relate to this female body. I feel very feminine. And my body would have these reactions to these more spiritual-based practices. And as a scholar of religion, you'd go back and you were just like, you know what? They're all created by men. <laughs> They're all... Yeah. And that's yeah. not a... But it's just a... So men's brains are actually different than female yeah. brains. Um, our bodies are different. Our energy fields are actually different. And also based on the culture and the society of that time, what was needed was something very particular, you know, and really served... Mm men in so many wonderful and beautiful ways and can serve, of course, parts of our masculine, our inner masculine, whether you're in a female body or a male body or any kind of body. Um, so that I do know for myself was an important part of my journey was just to be like, huh, like my body wants to do something different or yeah. this, this feels like I'm suffocating right now or or something, or this, this feels like it's actually shutting down my sexuality, where for me personally, I needed it to become more alive and healthy and real. So mm. I would say for all of us, you know, no matter if you're in a female body or a male body or in any other kind of body or whatever gender or non-gender or all genders, I think it's just about what you said 
and what I'm reiterating, which is really paying attention to what feels true to you, even if it contradicts the norm, Mm. not just in culture and society, but also in spirituality and exploring that and doing inquiry around it and not being too quick to brush it off as only an undeveloped aspect or a complex or your ego or trauma, but it might be your soul. Your soul might be saying to you, this practice is great, but it is not for you right now. Or it'll be great for you in two years. Or today you need to go and eat a hot dog and listen to some like crazy rock and roll. Like you just don't know where your soul is going to be inside you and with you moment to moment. But it is the truest part of us that knows how we unfold organically. So mm. it, it is bigger than any system or technique or path because it, it knows our entire trajectory. It knows our entire journey within this universe, not just in human form. And therefore, it knows how we unfold very specifically. And the timing of it is mm. utterly precise. And it doesn't mm. want to be usurped by an external force or an external technique or an external guideline unless it, the soul, brings that in. But for most of us, it's about trusting. It's like a garden when you kind of remove the things that are synthetic or pesticides or just aren't really serving your particular <laughs> plant. All of a sudden, it just starts to blossom really, really naturally. Mm. And that's what I feel like with soul. It just wants the room in our bodies and around our bodies to grow us organically. Mm. Yeah. I have one more question that I'd really like to bring up at least briefly, and that is the question of trauma in relation to soul, I know some people at least hold the position that one of the main things that come in the way for us being in touch with soul is trauma. And that the the most important thing or one of the most important things is to work with trauma and solely kind of almost be uh, revealed <laughs> automatically, mm-hmm. maybe not completely, but it will be so much easier to connect the soul when we resolve some of 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 our trauma how do you view that Mm -hmm. i i definitely agree with that um Hmm. what i would say though is that i could not face start to face and feel my own trauma until i had connected with my divine soul Hmm. so again the divine soul for me it's the part of us that is the wisest, most loving, it's eternal, it's infinite, it's our ultimate spiritual authority. It it knows us better than any other thing in existence. And Mm. it's a very beloved relationship I have with my soul and that I would venture to say every divine soul longs to reestablish with its human. Mm. And My divine soul is the one that knows how to deal with all the other parts of me, like my trauma and my wounding, my complexes, my psychology, my physical health. 
it also mm. knows how to deal with my human soul. Mm. And the human soul is the part of me that's gone through a shit ton of trauma. <laughs> you know, it's like so much trauma, just all of yeah. us, just being alive is traumatic and the human body, it's traumatic. So, mm. but I could not fully start to heal my human soul without reconnecting first with my divine soul because mm. I just wasn't strong enough. It's unbelievable to be able to start to go through trauma when you feel your own divine being holding you through it and guiding mm. you through it. It's a whole different thing. If we're cut yeah. off from that, which most of us are, we might know our human soul, but we don't know our divine soul, then it, it makes this very hard, very mm. hard, um, very overwhelming, harder than I would say it needs to be. Mm. But when we can connect with our divine soul and allow our divine soul to just be with us, it will start to guide us through that trauma, how to process it. But more than that, it will be with us through it. And for many of us, our nervous system needs that. We need full access to what I would call our full body, which is our multidimensional body, in mm. order to release and in order to integrate. And so when I, 95% of what I teach and share in person with people or in private sessions or in retreat or in my online soul groups is we're focusing on the reconnection first of the divine soul. Mm. Because I know the divine soul, once you've got that hooked up again and you can reconnect, that, that connection and that relationship is alive. And like any relationship, you know, it's going to go through ups and downs. And are you there? Are you not there? Like all of that, like it's going to be there. But that, that relationship is a priority and it, you have that, then the divine soul is better able to guide you with all the other things that we're talking about, like mm. trauma. Um, so mm. that's the focus. And for me as a facilitator, that's where I'm taking all of my guidance from is mm. my own divine soul and their divine soul. And so I'm you know, 99% of the time, my job is saying, what does your divine soul say? And I can feel out when people are speaking to and are connected from their divine soul versus when they might be connected to a different dimensional part or an external source or an internal influence that is different. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm watching mostly their bodies, but I'm also watching and feeling for what their divine soul is telling us is the next step. Mm. So I let their own being you know, drive, drive it, um, tell mm. us where to go and how to do it. And, and it, it's, it's just nonstop, um, awe-inspiring because for, you know, Sarah Beek's human ego, as I'm sitting there working with someone, <laughs> a divine being will show up, you know, to their human personality in a particular way. My ego will be like, huh, that doesn't seem like much. <laughs> Maybe they're going to want their money back or something. Like that just doesn't seem like much, but for the human, it will be exactly what they need that hmm. um, I can't know. Even if I studied every freaking thing on the planet, you know, I cannot know 
what their own being knows about them. And I, I, I will not know what truly is the best step if it's not coming from their own being. I don't want to overlay anything that I have on top of them. I want to remove as much as possible of everything around us. So again, that being can blossom organically and show us mm. how brilliant it is and how wise it is and how to heal itself. Mm. Wonderful. So we need to start wrapping up here. Unfortunately, so I would like to give you some space here to share a little bit about your offerings and whatever you'd like my listeners to know about your work and how they can get in touch with you. Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, you can go to my website, which is sarahbeek.com, and that's spelled S-E-R-A-B-E-A-K. I will be offering sometime in 2020, a soul reconnection online experience. It'll probably be three parts. I normally have a very uh, kind of fundamental retreat that I offer each summer for women, but that could not happen because of COVID, but it will be mm. happening hopefully <laughs> in 2021. Um, and I do do retreats that are, um, you know, every gender <laughs> or non-gender as well that again are just focused on helping the human personality and ego reconnect with their divine soul and mm. learn the real embodiment um, of, not learn it, remember it, <laughs> the embodiment of that. And I also do private sessions um, as well. Mm. And I have my books. I have three books. And Red Hot and Holy and Red Relations, um, those are my last two books. Red Hot and Holy really describes my journey of losing my soul, finding my soul. What is the soul for mm -hmm. me at that point? Um, it's a personal, more personal book. And then Red Relations is actually more about the healing of my human soul. Mm. So if you want to know more about soul, those two, from my perspective, those two books are, can be helpful. Mm. Great. Okay, so thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the Life Purpose podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real honor to be here with you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard here, you will love the second part of the conversation. You can find that in the members area of my website doesn't cost you anything at all to become a member, it's completely free. In that part, we dive still a bit deeper into the topic of how to find one's purpose and how to get closer to one's soul. We also talk about how to connect to the soul of the universe, how to heal attachment trauma through soul connection, and how to use soul as a guide to recognize a suitable romantic partner. Here's an excerpt from the second part. This hmm. dynamic, this very intimate, relational and familial dynamic that happens between our soul and the soul of this universe, I have found to be so healing for those of us, which I would venture to say is a lot, <laughs> that had like mother issues and father issues and hmm. did not receive um, secure attachment and did not receive validation and support and the sort of true love 
that Hmm. we all desire and need in order to be stable and healthy um, humans. And it doesn't bypass the need for healthy human relationships, but it helps uh, rebuild that primary foundation. So we're able to find those relations or we're able to notice Like this relationship doesn't feel as healthy. And I know that because I remember in my body what true authentic relationship feels like Mm. by being in connected with my soul and the soul of this universe. So Mm. they all help each other. Yeah. If you want to listen to the rest of the second part, you can either find the members area in the menu on my website, paulisari.com, or use the link in the show notes. Membership is completely free. You just sign up with your name and email address and receive a password. And that gives you access to all of the extra materials for the podcast. In case you really do not want to be on another mailing list, I totally understand. What you can do in that case is to sign up and then unsubscribe immediately after you receive the password. In the members area, you can also find a purpose discovery meditation. These are strong words, but I can almost guarantee that this meditation will give you at least some piece of new information concerning your purpose. I say that based on that this is what people again and again report back to me after doing the meditation. I hope that you will find it helpful too. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. (music) 